Hello, it's David here. The Leader brings you news, analysis and commentary every day at 4pm from the newsroom of the Evening Standard. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. And get in touch too. Use the hashtag The Leader Podcast on social media. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. A new London is emerging. We believe, and the Evening Standard is calling today, for London to get back on its feet, get going, rediscover the genius of our city, the things that make it so brilliant, so special. As schools go back and some workers return to the office, Associate Editor Julian Glover on the rebuilding of the city. And... They've had a lot of time to rethink mistakes that they have owned up to and been been very honest about confronting. Features writer Sam Fishwick on the reboot of Extinction Rebellion. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, rebuilding London. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Education, as Charles Dickens once told an audience, is the one needful thing. This morning, pupils at the Southwark Primary School that bears his name today resumed their lessons once more. They are among the thousands of children going back to classes, some of them for the first time since March. For head teacher Cassie Buchanan, it marks a turning point as the country recovers from the coronavirus lockdown. I think the children, before they came, were feeling a real mix of emotions, just like the adults, from nerves to excitement to being maybe a little bit worried. But now they've been back in the classrooms, and we've walked around this morning, and we've seen just a sea of smiling faces. I think everybody's just so pleased to be back with their friends. But there were two tales in this city. Children got on public transport. The grown-ups stayed home. The Evening Standard found some key rail and underground stations almost empty during rush hour. Our editorial column says it's time for adults to take the lead from their children and give this city a new start. The magic which makes London is in terrible danger. A ghost city is really no city at all. Until a vaccine is developed, Covid is here to stay and we can manage to live with it. But even without a vaccine, infection rates are now low and hospital admissions and deaths much lower. 
It does not make it safe, it never will be. It does mean that we should start to live our lives again. So today the Evening Standard is calling for a new start for our city. What kind of society are we, if we think it is safe and vital for young children to travel and meet, but keep many adults from doing the same? Yes, it will take courage to start our London lives again, but this week we must find it. Our associate editor Julian Glover is here. Julian, we're talking about London becoming a ghost city. How serious is that threat? Today, the Evening Standard does something it rarely does, and that's run a whole page leading article. We're devoting more space than normal to the voice of the paper because the issue we're talking about is absolutely fundamental to the future of our city. And that's how do we get London back to ambition, back to confidence, back to growth, back to the extraordinary things which made it and still make it such a special place in the world and which was hit hugely by lockdown which began, as we say, five months and ten days ago. And it is still here. Well, today, we're not saying COVID isn't a threat. We completely accept the horrible risks of this disease, the people who've suffered from it, the need to treat people, the need to get a vaccine if we can, and the need to be confident and careful about how we travel, how we meet, how we engage with each other. But our argument is that we can do that Now, we're going to have to get used to doing it now because COVID is going to be with us for a long time. There's no immediate sense of a a vaccine that's going to get us back into normal life, back into work. What we've got to do is find ways to live with it. But that's easy to say, Julia, not so easy to do. So we say that London is an extraordinary city made so special by people meeting, going out, enjoying it, using our extraordinary public transport system being able to do the things that make the city the envy of the world, the centre of the world in many ways. And to do that, we can't just allow our children to go back to school, which is a good thing and it's happening today, hopefully going smoothly across the city, but we can't let our children go back to school and yet have many adults say they're going to stay at home, they're not going to go out, they're not going to meet in offices, they're not going to spend money, they're not going to shop, they're not going to go to theatres, they're not going to enjoy the things that make London special. What we need is a way to do all of that and stay safe. And we think it can happen. We think it's already beginning to happen. We're seeing people coming back in small numbers into the city. We need now leadership to get a lot more of that underway. So where is that leadership coming from then? Is it just the Prime Minister? Does he have to take the lead? Should the Mayor of London be involved in that too. And what do they need to do? Not random changes of rules, contradictions, confusion, the things that spread concern and fear, but clarity for the long term. So we want to see things like the mayor out and about enjoying the city, showing people he's part of it. We want to see the prime minister, the man who is meant to be the great communicator. That was his big pitch for the job. Well, he needs to communicate a sense of solid, clear ambition over a long time to London and to the country. Not just tell us one day we've got to get back to work, but then the health secretary at the same time seems to be saying maybe there'll be a second wave and we shouldn't. One day it's fine to travel to Portugal. A few days later, no, that's changed again. There's an absolute need for clarity, confidence and certainty. And if we get that, we believe, and the Evening Standard is calling today, for London to get back on its feet, get going, rediscover the genius of our city, the things that make it so brilliant, so special, 
the place that we love. We want that back. We want this month, the start of a new September, the start of an autumn almost of, of recovery, to be the moment we get London back on its feet. Next. Does disruption of everyday life, is it warranted in the face of so-called looming climate catastrophe? And they would say the fact that we're even asking the question is, you know, to an extent, mission accomplished. Sam Fishwick, can Extinction Rebellion pull itself back from the brink? Extinction Rebellion are back. Does anybody care? They're taking over a London city centre that's almost empty anyway for 10 days of protests. There's been a long hiatus since the last action, during which the group's reputation has taken a battering, where once they captured attention with things like a pink boat in Oxford Square, they've since been criticised for demonstrations that tried to disrupt public transport and an attempt to shut down Heathrow Airport with drones that didn't get off the ground. Our features writer Sam Fishwick's been looking at the group's efforts to revive itself and he joins me now. Sam, are these protests something of a reboot for Extinction Rebellion? It is a bit of a reboot. Certainly they've had uh, a lot of time to rethink mistakes that were made towards the end of last year that they have owned up to and been, been very honest about confronting. I mean, if you cast your mind back, there was the... Canning Town incident where two protesters jumped onto a busy commuter train during rush hour, uh, much to the um, fury of all the passengers. That was a PR disaster. There was also the uh, Heathrow pause campaign, which again was a, a, a bit of a clangor uh, in, in, in PR terms. The plan was a spin-off splinter group from Extinction Rebellion, managed by Roger Hallam, one of the co-founders, um, they were going to use drones to disrupt flights over Heathrow Airport. And, you know, many people in Extinction Rebellion felt that this was beyond the pale. They were endangering lives and a consensus was reached that they shouldn't do it. They went ahead and did it anyway. I think you're looking at a few instances last year, David, where their message didn't quite hit the mark. And they're using this September to re-establish their sort of raison d'etre, their, uh, their reason for being and they've been marching towards Parliament. Is it significant that London is the location for this reboot? Because, of course, Extinction Rebellion kind of spread across the world up to a point. Is it important that they come back to London and reassert themselves here? London is important. Uh, London, is, London is where Extinction Rebellion first gained a foothold in the world's attention. You know, this is, a, this is a protest that went global and it went global from London. Most people who are who, who have experienced organising protests, organising action will tell you that, you know, London, it is a backdrop that has gravitas around the world. And also with so many uh, media corporations based here, if you protest in London, it is a shot that's heard around the world. Of the people that you spoke to who are involved with Extinction Rebellion, did they feel there was an image problem about them being this kind of posh action force, people who can afford to be arrested, uh, a middle-class rebellion, so to speak? Yes, they're incredibly worried about image uh, because, you know, you can't found a movement, you can't 
a movement falters on on on, on optics problems. Um, you cannot bring the masses in if they cannot see themselves within the movement. And I think one of the problems that Extinction Rebellion has confronted repeatedly is you know does the lay person does the does the ordinary person around the world see themselves as part of this movement do they see themselves as someone who can be arrested do they see themselves as in in the imagery of someone of a celebrity like emma thompson atop a pink boat in oxford circus it's incredibly fun but can they can the ordinary person see themselves being part of it and they've made internal changes as well. Roger Hallam, who you mentioned earlier, he's no longer leading the group, is he? He's no longer leading the group. Um, he's very much still part of the group, which they are very clear to say. But Roger Hallam had ideas for the movement and, and continues to have ideas for the movement that they found anathema to the direction they wanted to take it. And, and again, this comes into this question of how does Extinction Rebellion see itself and what direction does it want to push towards? You know, various sources I speak to inside Extinction Rebellion, they realise that the window they have to enact uh, fundamental change on um, policy within this country and around the world is closing. And they are at their best uh, when they are working to change the agenda and change the politics uh, rather than disrupt and destroy. Is there a place for Extinction Rebellion in the new post-lockdown world after coronavirus? Well, they're certainly very keen to point out the amount of work that they have put in during lockdown uh, to reach out to other organisations. Protest movements such as Black Lives Matter, or indeed, um, I spoke to one uh, Extinction Rebellion coordinator who told me that she's conducted um, training for you know digital software. They all use like Zoom uh, with the NHS quite early in lockdown. You know, they are a sort of tend and befriend organization when they're at their best. Um, is there a place for uh, disruption on the streets? Is there a place for disruption of you know London's transit systems? Again, I feel the envelope has barely been pushed on that. It, it is the same moral quandary uh, that they have created and raised since the first protests, which is does disruption of everyday life, is it warranted in the face of so-called looming climate catastrophe? And they would say the fact that we're even asking the question is, um, you know, to an extent mission accomplished. And that's The Leader. You can keep up with all the latest developments with the Evening Standard's live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.